0: Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. It is a beautiful morning. Don't you enjoy this little cooler weather right now? Yes. <laughs> uh, last Tuesday I was coming through um, Woodland Hills at 209. It was 109 degrees in Woodland Hills. Whoa. So this is beautiful. And you look beautiful too. Again, we're glad that you're here with us today. And on this uh, beautiful morning, let's stand as we join in our hymn of celebration, number 98, To God Be the Glory.
1: colors outside the lines some of us spend uh, some of each of our day outside the lines some of us more than others
2: we'd like to dedicate this song to all the beautiful people who live outside the lines
1: Outside the lines, turns wounds to blessings, water into wine, and takes me into places where I've never been before, and opens doors to worlds outside the lines. Open doors to worlds outside the lines, we'll never walk on water if we're not prepared to drown, body and soul need a soaking from time to time. There are worlds outside the lines And real There are worlds outside the lines
0: I want to thank Tim Nance for allowing me to walk outside the lines today too. <laughs> huh? I'm walking outside the lines. It's yeah. <laughs> oh, but you know, you see, we sing, we tell them, but they never get it, do they? No. Okay. So I'll, I'll go back in the lines here. I was, uh, I was just trying to help out here. Let's then turn to our prayer time. I will invite you to turn to our prayer hymn number 375. There is a bomb in Gilead. we pray, eternal God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to the foot of the throne of your grace this morning, remembering, O oh God, indeed, that balm of Gilead, a balm of healing, a healing that comes from the touch of him who is the great physician, a healing and a balm, O oh God, we pray, in our world today, a world truly that needs a healing of its sin-sick a world of war, of hunger, so many hatreds. O Lord, we ask the blessing of your spirit to go forth into the world in a new way that we might find instead of war, reconciliation, instead of hate, love, instead of starvation, the provision of that which will sustain people. And in our own lives, O Lord, in the many Myriad ways in which our lives need to be touched by you, O God, we come, sometimes broken people, hurting, problems in families, relationships, sometimes even our relationship with you. O God, we seek that balm of Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. And so, Lord, we take these next moments and in but simple silence. Pause a moment to feel the presence of him who walks in our midst, Jesus Christ. And might we pray, O Lord, that he would reach out his hand to touch each of us and that he might heal our sin-sick souls. Oh Lord, it's but a brief few moments, but may we remember that with you, a moment of time becomes eternity. Let that hand of your eternity now be upon us. And may we feel the healing of our souls through Jesus Christ. On this we pray in his name, who taught us that we might pray even as we also say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation
3: Come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, ties, and offerings. And praise as we offer to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you'll bless and use these for your purposes in the ministry of your church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create us God, and renew right spirit within
3: us, according to your grace and mercy.
2: May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 23. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ, for surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is God's word to God's people.
3: May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for your word that continues to speak to our lives and to our hearts, for a letter that was written long ago that continues to speak and teach us how to live our life in faith. Give us ears to hear and a willingness to receive that our lives might be forever changed in your presence. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, I have to admit, over this last week, a couple people have said to me they were surprised that I was preaching, and I thought about it, and I I can understand there's actually two different reasons. First off, as Gary reminded me, I'm preaching New Testament today instead of Old Testament, but more so, people looked at the title of the sermon, I'm retired, and they figured Gary must be preaching. After all, I have 10,918 more days until I get to retire, but who's counting? as we've often heard gary has said you know one of one of gary's jokes and i love it because i think we can relate to it i was tired yesterday i'm what retired today yeah or as you know gary is in his last last 11 months 10 and a half months, Nine months 28 days, <laughs> <laughs> he's in the home stretch of his local church ministry some 50 years is coming to a close in, in a matter of time. You know, June 30th, uh, 2017 will be his last official day in pulpit ministry. And he's counting down the months, but you don't need to worry because I've actually hidden his calendar. So he won't know when it's going to be. But I've heard it said that when people retire, it's actually busier than when you were working. You know, and life gets crazier when you retire for a lot of people because you end up doing all of the things that you didn't get to do when you're working full time. Is that true for anyone who's retired? Is it busier? <laughs> All that, yeah. But actually this morning, I want you to think about cars for a moment. Because have you ever tried to drive without tires on your car? Or if your tires are bad or in, uh, in, in poor shape, it could be a potentially hazardous situation trying to drive with bad tires? Checking your tires is kind of like going to the dentist. You know, we know that we need to do it. We know we need to keep up on that. But we often put it off till the last, uh, absolute last moment until we have to get it done. But according to the National Highway Safety Administration, they say that nearly 11,000 car crashes occur each year because of bad tires. And I bet you didn't know. Here's a little trivia for you. I bet you don't know Kenny Rogers learned this lesson the hard way. See, one day he was driving down the driving down the highway, and his tire blew off. So he pulled over to the side of the sh- or to the shoulder, and he shook his head and he said, "You picked a fine time to leave me, loose wheel." <laughs> Don't worry, I promise. This year it's going to be a good year for tire jokes. <laughs> one more, just because I have to. I'm sorry. A person walks into a doctor's office. And he's, you know, he's kind of shaking his head, and he says, Doctor, doctor, I don't know what to do. I feel like a bicycle. And doctor scratches his chin for a moment and says, Oh, you're just too tired. (laughs) I I promise, no more. Kidding aside, there are some warning signs that your tires might be bad, and we've probably all heard them or, or know these signs, but your tire could have bulges, gouges, or cracks in it. The tread on your tire could be low. You could have low tire pressure. Or when you're driving at higher speeds, your, star, your car starts to shake or, or to vibrate the further you go. But you see, the joy with tires and the joy with cars is, especially in newer models, that there's that little warning light that comes on to warn you that your tires are low or that your tires need to be repaired or replaced. Yet even with all of these warning signs, not everyone pays attention to them and not everyone responds to them. And as a result, they don't do that which is necessary to bring... Fourth, better per car performance, they don't get that problem fixed. A simple maintenance check can go a long way. Even going in and just having your tires rotated to have even wear and tear. Now you might be wondering, what does a new set of tires have to do with our faith? And the answer's simple: we just finished our eight-week study on religion versus relationship, but we continue. To do certain things exactly as we always have done them because they work. And we continue to do the same thing even when the signs point to change. Even when the signs point to to do something different. It's that old definition of insanity. What's the definition of insanity? Right. To do the same thing the same way over and over again expecting a different result. You know We can continue to live this way or we can, we can allow the Spirit to give us a new set of tires in our faith in order to keep us actively moving and growing by a transformational relationship to God through Christ rather than simply going through the motions in order to, to show the world or to, to make the world happy and say, look, we're good Christians, we're doing it the right way. Living by faith on a daily basis can be hard and tiring to say the least. And as a result, sometimes we just simply need that routine maintenance done just to come before God and experience a refreshing, to experience something new. We can can become complacent in our faith where it becomes routine, and it becomes that religion and not relationship, what what Gary talked about last week. We come to a place in our faith where we know what we know, And we don't want to allow ourselves to be changed by God's word or to be changed in our lives and changed in our actions. I I remember at the 8 o'clock service, and I apologize there, I apologize again. I had a conversation with someone years ago, and if it was one of you, I'm sorry because I really don't remember. Um, But I had a conversation with someone years ago, and we were talking about, uh, about how we change and what we do in things. And we got on the topic of young families in the church and a desire to see more young families come to the church. And so I said to this person, oh, you know, one of the ways to, to help that is if you build a relationship. You know, if you get to know people and invite them and, uh, or, or when they're out on the patio, invite them over for lunch or." and gave all these views. To which the person responded, I don't want to do it. I don't have any more time in my schedule. I don't have the desire for any more friends. I don't want to change You know, we can understand God in certain ways and have a hard time accepting that God will work even outside of our understanding or our expectations of what God can do. And sometimes when God does work outside of our understanding or does things that we aren't familiar with or comfortable with, we can refuse it, we can reject it, or we can just choose to say, God, that that must not have been you. In regards to faith, some Christians have let the tread go low They've experienced cracks and gouges in their relationship with God. Their faith is running low. Or sometimes life just seems to shake us to the very core, to our very foundation. And we start to feel those vibrations occurring. Yet even with all of these warning signs, even with all of this happening, Sometimes there's little hope or, or a desire for change. We see these things coming, we experience these things in our life, but we don't know how or don't want to change. So I want to remind you, if you're a race car fan, even the best IndyCar dra- driver, the best NASCAR driver, as they're going around doing their 500 laps, 100 laps, make time for pit stop they pull into the pit stop and get a brand new set of tires in order to finish the race strong and avoid a blowout and avoid the the tear uh, the, the the tire tread dying and maybe it's time in our faith to just come for a pit stop to come to god to retire us in our faith to give us a new foundation maybe to rotate the tires Maybe you're worn out You don't want, or, and you want to experience God's grace and love and community. Maybe you need new traction because you feel like you're slipping in your relationship with God. Maybe you need to find that firm foundation, which is Christ, to stand upon because you find that the doubts are, are creeping in where faith once shined brightly. Maybe you need a good old-fashioned high-speed alignment where the Holy Spirit works in our life to bring your focus back to God because things are getting out of control. And realistically, even when things are going great and even if none of those things are happening, it never hurts to be proactive and still come before God for a tune-up and for a check-up. And I believe that this is the heart of these verses in Ephesians, you see, this passage isn't devaluating human life. You know, those, uh, those Gentiles and what they're doing. It's not taking away human worth, ability, or accomplishments. Rather, Paul is saying to reject the way of life lived apart from God in order to live a life fully for God. Paul encourages believers to move from complacent to vibrant, from knowing about God to knowing God from living the same old life like we always have to living as a new creation formed in relationship with God through Christ. Paul is calling for something new and something different. You know, and Paul lays it out in no uncertain terms here. He said, if any want to follow Christ, they could no longer be like everyone else and they could no longer keep living the way that they had always done it, rather to be transformed by the truth and good news of Jesus Christ. I remember years ago i was uh, used to work for a christian ministry in the national parks and i was recruiting here in california and i went up to santa barbara and i walked into a christian bookstore and i used to love this author she was a historical fiction author and i read all of her books about uh, people in the bible and one day in this bookstore i saw a brand new book that i had never seen by her uh, about samson and i remember thinking to myself oh this is great i have to buy it you know i don't know much about samson And no sooner did those thoughts come to my brain than I'm like, "That's the dumbest thing I could have said." If I want to read about Samson, I should read Judges, (laughs) not this person's interpretation. You know, Paul says it this way: Truth is in Jesus. It's a twofold understanding. To find this truth is to find Jesus, and when we find Jesus, we find the truth. You see, Paul realized that in order to be truly changed, it was move to move from self-focused to Christ-driven, from doing things that we think or accept to doing things that God desires and expects. It's to move from self to God. Paul addressed it this way again. We learn to move from a former life to a new life in Christ or to learn to have a new mindset where we learn Christ not learning facts and figures about him you know not studying all about this person that may or what it's knowing him as a person as the living word of god found in history found in reality it's the man and the divine in one it's learning to have a first hand knowledge of him and how radically different his wa- life was he wasn't <laughs> i say as something cheap he wasn't normal you know, he didn't do what was expected in his day and age he rocked the boat this new life moves us from our understanding to god's inspiration you know we can pat ourselves on the back and build ourselves up and say look at all these things i know about god or look at all these things i know about faith but if we don't put them into practice then what good is it it's a head knowledge And see, this is one of the things that Paul addresses. To move from a hardness of heart toward God in a head knowledge of of self-acclamation to a life lived for God. To have a softened heart before God. you know. in, In Genesis, it says Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And when his heart was hardened, he couldn't do that which was asked of him. It's to have a heart of flesh and a heart for people as God has a heart for them. It's to move from self-serving to outward reaching, from doing faith the way we want to allowing the Spirit to move in and through us the way God desires. From rejection of the good news of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to fully accepting as disciples the transformational power that comes by God, through Christ, and the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation that takes place. This last Thursday, we began uh, the class on, on What Would Jesus Do." You know, we meet every we're going to be meeting every Thursday, and we're looking at what does Jesus. You know, you remember those old gracious WWJD? You know, what is what would Jesus do? <coughs> Bob has one, <laughs> and Dennis, sweet. You know, this past Thursday. I asked the question, I I changed the initials. I I love the WWJD, and it's a great reminder. But I I changed the initials to WDWD. Bob, you can't answer this one. What does WDWD stand for? What did
4: Jesus
3: do? Not what, no, not what did Jesus do, WDWD, what do we do? You see, and I changed the letters for three reasons. Number one, sometimes when we look at the what would Jesus do, Well, we say, well, we're not Jesus. No, but we're called to be Christ-like. Two, we don't necessarily do what Jesus does because we don't necessarily always know what Jesus does. Either we haven't looked or studied or or, or really wanted to, (laughs) to know. Or three, we don't do what Jesus does because it's hard. And sometimes it seems as though if, if, you're, if we're honest with ourselves or so we're looking at Christians, you know, Christians are supposed to be loving. We're supposed to, you know, just wrap our arms around people and coddle them and stroke them and say, everything's great, everything's okay. Well, if you look at what Jesus does, Jesus sometimes gets in people's faces. And Jesus sometimes gets angry. And sometimes Jesus doesn't speak. And Jesus does everything that we as humanity does, that we do. But as Christians, we, we tend not to think that that's what we're supposed to do. You see, I say this all the time as disciples. If we're truly to live as disciples, then it's more than just following actions, because some of Jesus' actions were actually talking and sharing the good news of a relationship to God with people as we proclaim our faith within this world by very nature, then there is to be, there is going to be something different in the way that we live our lives when we live by faith. When we experience God firsthand, things are going to be different. A way that brings glory to God as we share God's good news and love and grace with the word and action to others. When we experience God firsthand, we cannot be the same in the reality of God's presence Our lives are changed. They're different. When Moses came to the burning bush, what happened? God said, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Because of that experience, because of meeting God there in that place, Moses was never the same. He went back to Egypt. He said, let my people go. He led the people out of Egypt. Jacob changed his name to Israel after wrestling in the wilderness that night before going back to meet his uh, his brother Esau. Deborah led the israelites against their enemies the only female judge the disciples gave their lives simple fishermen and others who changed everything at any cost to follow throughout the history of the church people have gone to every corner of the world to proclaim the gospel of jesus christ the good news for all the world you see paul wanted christians to stop living for themselves To stop living just like everybody else and doing what everybody else was telling you to do. To move from a head knowledge of God to a heart knowledge for God. To move away from greed and wealth and sexual temptations and impurities and rather to live for something greater than ourselves. We've all heard it said countless times, what is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is what? Love the, love the Lord your God. And the second is like it. What is the second? To love your neighbor as yourself. You see, I have no doubt that that was intentional. <laughs> you know, why to love God first? Because you cannot love your neighbor unless you love God first. Because if we love our neighbor as ourselves without God, how are we going to love our neighbor? We're not. We're going to be self-centered. <laughs> We're going to love ourselves, not our neighbor. To love God means we then ought to love our neighbor because God loves our neighbor and God loves us you see we make choices all the time that either draw us closer to God or draw us away from God and we see the effects of a life lived apart from God every day turn on the news look in your neighborhood look around you look in your own home There's conflicts. There's crime. There's self-centeredness. There's moral decline. There's countless things that happen when we remove God from situations. Now I know, I know that we say, "Well, we're we're good people," and that might be true, especially in comparison to others. Look what, you know, we might not say this, and I hope you don't say this, but look what I did versus look what so and so did, you know, or I'm not quite as bad as this person, or I'm not quite. And we put degrees on sin, and we put degrees on our actions. But if we're willing to acknowledge it, when we look at the world around us, our good is never good enough. (laughs) The world isn't a perfect place. God's good is great enough to make the world a different place. You know, we've come to accept that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I want to tell you this morning, you absolutely can teach an old dog new tricks when you know the teacher When we remain open to God's teaching and to God's direction, we learn to live by faith. Do you really want to see God do something great in this world? And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, you know, where you dream it, you achieve it. If you believe it, you attain it. If you focus on yourself, something great is going to happen. But rather, it's a simple act of faith. As we continue to seek God out through Christ with a desire to be transformed, We will change the world, one life at a time. And that's our life. This morning, do you need a new set of tires in your faith? Do you need a simple tune-up for God to transform your heart and your life in order that we might share the good news of Jesus Christ? I believe God's shop has the greatest white wall radial tires anyone could ever ask for. We just need to come and receive may we pray glorious God we give you thanks and praise that you meet us where we are that you call us ever onward in our relationship with you through Christ that you desire to do something new and something great God wherever we might be in our walk before you it's never too late to take another step meet us here that our lives will be forever changed through your grace and glory. Amen. Amen. If you'd please stand as we join in our hymn of dedication, 203, Hail the Lord's Anointed.
0: As you reach out to take the hand of another, uh, remind yourself that this is why we're here this morning, to be in relationship with one another, as it were in relationship with God. We're never alone in faith. And so now, in the name of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, O oh God, bless and keep us and send us forth now to truly make disciples of all the world for Jesus Christ. Amen, Amen.